Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Juliana Vita, the Group Vice President and Chief Strategy Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Juliana, welcome to the discussion. Thanks. It's great to be with you again. Let me set just a little bit of context for our conversation. Since May, when President Joe Biden issued his cyber executive order, the Office of Management and Budget has been busy, to say the least, developing implementation memos and releasing them to, to as well. There's been a most recent memo on endpoint detection and response in late October. And before that, it will be released a draft zero trust strategy. Currently, they're reviewing public comments. And the final draft is expected in the coming weeks. OMB also issued memos around securing on-premise software, as well as logging incidents. And more memos and guidance are coming. The EO detailed 23 different actions that agencies are required to take on to address these systemic cybersecurity problems. Beyond the required actions, the EO also has changed the discussion about federal cybersecurity. The urgency brought on by the spate of attacks in early 2021, the surge of funding from Congress to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency is generating what I'll call a once-in-a-generation opportunity to do more to get ahead of attackers, secure data and systems, and create a modern infrastructure that can change as the threats continue to evolve. So how can agencies use the momentum created by the EO, the funding from CISA, and the technology advancements of the market to harden their cyber resolve? Well, that's where my guest comes in once again. Juliana Vita is the Group Vice President and Chief Strategy Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Now, Juliana, this is a, a common discussion about this EO. There's a lot of excitement about it. So, so what is the impact beyond 23 different actions and lots of memos? <laughs> well, I think, you know, you and I have talked before, and, and I talk with customers a lot about, as you said, this is a once in a generation. It is an opportunity. It truly is. It's, um, you know, we had the pandemic as kind of a burning platform for a lot of the modernization projects that agencies had on the shelf, but hadn't really gotten around to, or they weren't prioritized. We have this pandemic, and boom, you know, agencies now have to put those projects into execution because that's how, you know, they had people working from home, they were delivering services remotely, et cetera. So now with the cyber uh, executive order and the following on memoranda, those are also helpful policy guidelines that um, not only give specifics to the agencies for do the, do more of this, do less of that, you know, here are some deadlines and they're pretty aggressive. You know, there's a lot of requirements in there, but it also allows industry to respond in a way that is truly meaningful. And for us at Splunk, it's, you know, data and helping agencies and organizations make the best use of their data is our bread and butter. That's what we've always done. So it gives us an opportunity to become even a closer partner with the federal government and the agencies where we already have relationships and um, we're broadening our relationships. This is a way for us to just show more of what we can help, to, we can do to help. Other industries are the same. They're responding in the same way. It's an opportunity to provide not just general, hey, we're here to help, but here's a package solution for you, federal agency. Let us help you with expertise. Let us help you with, you know, um, just making the best value out of your investment so that you can not only meet the requirements of the EO or the memorandum, but you can also actually get to a more secure cybersecurity posture, which is what we all want. Uh, nobody wants to be the next responsible organization for um, a malware attack or a solar winds or name, name any of the other high profile attacks that happen. Nobody wants that. We all live here. We, our children, our, our, our water supply, our electrical supply, our food supply, all of that, we all want it to be secure. So this is a great opportunity for us to just, like I said, continue to partner to accelerate moving to that modern future. 
you bring up this idea of the cyber EO and the, the memos that come with it and, and they're aggressive deadlines, aggressive goals, but they're also not so prescriptive. And I think that's one of the, the things that OMB, I'll give them credit over the years, have learned that you want to give agencies enough roadway, but not too much, right? It's, it's can't be the autobahn where they can go 80 miles an hour in any direction they want, but they also can't be the, if you will, the little old lady on the road going 10 miles an hour in a 25 or a mm -hmm. 40 zone. Is, is, is that helpful for you as an industry to see that there is that wide area, the, the pl plenty of place to play, if you will? Sure, because every agency is different. Their mission sets are different. Their leadership is different, you know, the style and, and all of that. So that gives us enough to come in and say, here are the broad categories of where we can help you without being so specific and detailed that we can't scale. I mean, we have to be able to scale. We have to be able to serve a bunch of different customers and build partnerships across um, within agencies and across agencies. So it's a win-win. It's a win for each of the agencies to, you know, show some creativity, show some innovation, show some, you know, let the people come up with the solution that works best given the domain that they have knowledge on, you know, that their domain knowledge. But also put some guide rails there. You know, to your example on the on the uh, Audubon, you, you've got to have some rules and regulations. Um, and I really do think it's it's a win-win. We're seeing it already. You know, organizations that back to the pandemic example, they wanted to do stuff. You know, they they wanted to put their plans in place, but maybe still haven't done it for whatever reason. And now here's another reason and another way for them to do that in a way that makes sense for them, given their maturity. Quite frankly. And each agency is at a different level of maturity. We see that with the reports to Congress, the Federal Information Security Management Act reports, FISMA reports. How should they start looking at the EO? Because they, they just can't do it all. They have to kind of prioritize, of course. They have to see what where their high value assets are. I, I remember just listening just the other day to a, a CIO who said, we don't have enough money to do everything. And we're not going to be able to do everything. So how, how do you help them from your perspective where industry can help them kind of address that prioritization. Right. Well, in, in many cases, and well, in all cases, agencies have already made investments. They've already purchased certain products or tool sets or, or platforms, in the case of Splunk. Um, so what we can do now is to help them get more value out of those investments. So I like to use the example of the smartphone. And you know, if I spend $500 on my smartphone, and I only ever use it to text people and uh, I would say make a phone call, but nobody, <laughs> nobody really does that. Or, you know, check my social feed. That's a pretty expensive phone. But if I take the time to go ask somebody to help me, you know, how do I do these apps or how do I, you know, make the best value of the phone? Now it's a pretty good investment because I run my life with it. You know, I do everything on it. Same with the investments that government and um, government agencies have made. We know they've made investments they'll continue to. Where we can come in, other industry uh, partners can come in, is to give prescriptive support. Let us help you map your journey. Literally, where are you today with your maturity in terms of technology? Where do you want to be? Um, not only by the milestones that are laid out in the EO, but as an organization. What's your moonshot? Where do you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now? And let's sit down and figure out how to, how to get you there. Um, we have solution engineers to do that. I'm sure other companies do too. So that's how we can help provide a little bit of how-to when there might be a lot of questions about, well, where do we start? Can't do it all, to your point. Um, and with the budget, even with the Technology Modernization Fund, I heard one CIO of, a, of an agency say the other day, uh, she calls it, it's a down payment. Yes, it's a billion dollars, but it's not nearly enough. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a start. 
And so we can work within those guidelines to just help our customers move forward. And we were both at that panel at the Imagination Nation con conference yeah. where the CIO panel talked about, and you heard different CIOs say, well, of course we put money in for zero trust. And of course we put a pro proposal in for this. And uh, it was one agency that said, oh, I have five mm -hmm. pending before pending. The, the project. So as we heard OMB tell us, the, I think there was over 100 proposals, over $2 billion in requests. So there's never enough money. Right. So when you take that and then you add on top of that what CISA is getting and, and more money potentially is coming to CISA through the Infrastructure Act that the uh, president is likely or has signed, uh, there is more money coming from um, uh, the spending bill that eventually hopefully gets through. Mm -hmm. So there's, there is money to be found. Is, is that why this prioritization, this map becomes more important? So again, limit, unlimited, not unlimited money, but you have to kind of set yourself up and data can drive that prioritization, not just HVAs, but... Yep. Exactly. I mean, you made you made. The I point. made your I was, point. You you did We've make the point. We've been hanging out too much. I, I've been I've been waiting, and <laughs> um, you you gave me the entree. So, not the data can tell you where you're actually spending the money. Um, because human beings, we have our own biases. We have our own memories. We have our own things that we're tied to that we never want to let go of. Another analogy. So you go to clean out your closet. Um, what's the rule? If you haven't worn something in two years, you get rid of it. Okay, so you look in your closet, you have all this stuff, and you say, no, nah, I, I, I really can't get rid of that because it's sentimental value. Or, I know I've worn that. And oh my gosh, I, I think I wore that six months ago. But if you had a sensor on every <laughs> one of your hangers, you might be able to derive the data to show, no, you actually <laughs> haven't touched most of it. And so when you let the data do the talking, it can drive those insights for you and take it off your shoulders and, and get rid of some of the infighting with people who are, you know, they have different priorities about where the money should be spent. The data will tell you, you've touched this system, you know, five times in the last month, you haven't touched this system in a year. And those are realistic examples. And um, boy, the efficiency, you know, that you can gather from just, and the, uh, and the problems you can avoid with your coworkers, you know, and fighting about funding. I think we have an idea here for that hanger thing. We'll talk later. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I, I, know, I know some you, people, I know a VC or two who may uh, be interested. You heard uh, it here first. I heard it here first, exactly. Um, <laughs> as we kind of look out, and I mentioned at the beginning that the, all these memos that OMB put out there, and and it's, it's uh, I compared the OMB memos to the movie Fast and Furious, right? <laughs> they just, not yeah, only are there nine yeah, movies, yeah. they just keep coming. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the things you're hearing from your customers? What's some of the conversations you're having, whether it's memo related or just more broadly related to cyber? Yeah, well, we've been focusing on one particular memo and that's um, related to Section 8 of the EO and the memo is M21, TAC 31. And um, I you memorize that. I memorize you that. that. <laughs> and it has to do with the logging requirement, the log, log management, log retention, and all of that. Why? Because Splunk started as a log management company, and so we have a lot of expertise in that area. And um, you know, we've built a reputation over years for being trusted and, and being a robust platform to be able to do that. So we're a perfect partner to come <laughs> in and say, let us help you with this part, because Splunk, every other company out there that wants to help. Can't do it all, you know. I mean, I, they could, but the depth the depth of experience wouldn't be there. So we've been focusing on this M twenty one thirty one, and what we're finding is that um, agencies often they, back to your point about they don't know where to start. Well, when you start with the logs, that's like the ground truth of we talk in general terms about listen to your data or you know go back and look at the logs and figure out where the cybersecurity event happened. But that takes a lot of deep inspection and it takes a lot of time. And unless you have this robust data analytics platform to do it, it can just be another burden on the agency. You know, if, if agencies want to use their workforce to manually 
go through logs and try to meet these requirements of the EO, but also, you know, still maintain a good cybersecurity posture, that's going to be, that's a losing proposition. So that's where we come in to talk about, let's look again at your investment that you have in Splunk and figure out, figure out how to make the best value of it. Um, and poof, before you know it, you'll be um, compliant with the uh, OMB, that particular memorandum, and we can help you move on to something else. This idea of log and incidents, and, and I just want to touch upon that just in case if folks aren't maybe as, as clear what that is. That is understanding everything that kind of hits your network mm -hmm. and understanding it in a way that you can determine that's normal or that's abnormal. And if it's abnormal, how abnormal is it? Is it just... Yeah. Oh, someone made a mistake, or oh, that's the Chinese trying to get through our network. Yeah. That, I, I'm simplified it. I know exactly. I mean, it's you can think of it as the data footprint. It's the it's the look back of what has happened, and it's the memory of of all the things like you said have touched the network. And analysts can then look for they look for patterns. They're not looking for the one off. Right. And those patterns can be pretty when there's a known vulnerability. Those patterns can be easy to find. When it's not a known or it's a zero day, it might take a while. But you know, with orchestration and automation and more robust analytics um, behind the log management and the log review, then that's when analysts can be more efficient. You know, they can um, focus on the real problems and not just be caught in the noise because there's just there's so much going on in cyberspace that a lot of them they just get fatigued and they burn out. So. And I think that's what OMB is really trying to do is get the agencies through that noise so they understand what is, if you will, what, what's the real issue they're trying to address. Yeah, exactly. Juliana, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Splunk, a recognized leader in log management and security orchestration automation and response, is helping strengthen our national cybersecurity posture by designing packages for federal agencies that address cyber incident response requirements per Executive Order OMB M2131. Agencies must act quickly. Splunk understands the cybersecurity challenges agencies are facing and is prepared to enhance federal cyber capabilities to help the federal government meet their mission. Splunk, we turn data into doing. Visit splunk.com slash public sector. Welcome back. You're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Juliana Vida, the Group Vice President and Chief Strategy Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Now, Juliana, before break, we were talking a lot about the Cyber EO. We were talking a lot about this, if you will, once-in-a-generation opportunity to really try to do more to get ahead of the attackers. So let's talk about the attackers. From your perspective, as, as you are looking across the cybersecurity environment, the landscape, what are some of those big threats that agencies continually face? Yeah. Um, the two, two that come directly to mind are poor cybersecurity hygiene. I think it's people are well-intentioned. Agencies put out requirements about you must do this training, you must do this thing. But it's another, it's another task for people to remember to do. And, and when those, um, when having good cybersecurity hygiene isn't easy and automated, it often falls off the plate and people forget to do it. And it's those basic, change your password, don't write your password down, you know, th those kinds of things, especially in this remote work environment where people are sharing their networks at home and they've maybe gotten a little bit lax because life has just gotten really hard, that cybersecurity hygiene can often be, it's the make or break. It's where a lot of the attacks are still coming in. Uh, I had a boss once when I was on the cybersecurity task force in the Pentagon, and he used to get so frustrated because people would talk about all these whiz-bang investments and, you know, all this... Uh, high-level stuff that we were going to do with cybersecurity, and he would say, why do we keep trying to fight Delta Force on, from coming in the roof when the front door is unlocked? <laughs> like, let's go there first. You know, let's change the locks. 
And he was right 10 years ago, and he's right now, you know? And, and there's just still too much of that. Uh, go ahead. Let's just jump in there in a sec. First of all, the whole writing down passwords thing, <laughs> I have to admit, we all do it, right? And, and, and I think that we haven't solved that issue, but I think that's really the, 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 the challenge of getting toward that identity and access management. We've just yeah. so much, so many people are talking about that these days. But is, is cyber hygiene a matter of, is it a people issue or is it more of a technology issue? There's always both, but how do you, where do you kind of lean? But it's all three. It's the people process and technology. I mean, not to just oversimplify it, but you could have the greatest technology, the cybersecurity suite in the world, but if your workforce isn't trained how to use it, or it's not easy, or it's not accessible, um, they're just going to work around it. You know, people are just, there's too much going on. Um, and if, especially if they're not, don't have a level of data literacy to understand their role in keeping you know, information secure, or they just, they figure that's somebody else's responsibility, or surely the IT people will keep me from getting in trouble. You know, all of those things are people and process, even, like I said, if you have the, the best, you know, you have the strongest investments in cybersecurity. So it has to work together, and it has to be all of agency approach, not just the IT folks, not just the security folks, but everyone. Um, because, you know, an infiltrator can come in anywhere. And, and we're all creating data all day long, we're all sharing data, we're storing it, we're buying it, we're selling it. You know, the level of, in fact, I wish we had a better term than cybersecurity hygiene, because that's just boring and nobody cares about it. And it's kind of hard to understand when, when you try and talk to a non-cyber person, hygiene? Like yeah, right. I have to be clean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the other piece I just want to touch upon, because you mentioned two, but I'm going to go back to the hygiene piece for a second, because um, the automation side, and I think that's key, because agencies can't keep up with the threats. So, so how to get to the point where you're automating the, the security, how do you get to the point where you're closing the patches when you know like immediately. And I think that plays into the cloud discussion yeah. a little bit. And, and I'm surprised we've gotten through, and <laughs> haven't mentioned the cloud yet. Yeah. So maybe mention it and tell me why I, the cloud is one answer to that cyber hygiene. I will mention it. You um, will. <laughs> because there, there are several different value propositions of cloud as you know, their speed, you know, the, the cloud technology can just move faster. Agility can change configuration, can move things around. There's also efficiencies to be found because agencies don't have to be, when, when you're using cloud technology, you're not managing the infrastructure and paying for all the, you know, the data center hosting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and all of that drives speed. And it allows, um, it allows the speed of the data processing, but also speed for the workforce to be able to do other things, do higher level work than trying to reconfigure passwords, you know, or, oh, I forgot my password, I have to send an email to the help desk, and then they have to respond, I got to put in a trouble ticket. You know, all that stuff, you multiply by the millions of workers across the federal government, and it's just a lot of waste. So the more of that technology that can be pushed to the cloud for the automation capabilities that are available there, and the security, let's not forget FedRAMP, you know, authorization certification that says gold stamp of approval, this, this cloud platform or this cloud product is certified for use in the federal government. So the more agencies are moving their workloads to the cloud, the better the cyber, the high, the cyber security hygiene can and will improve. And, and the other piece of this that is, is, is easy to understand, but, but maybe something that's worth repeating, is you as Splunk, or, or if you pick your partner that you all work with that, that hosts, hosts the cloud, they are incentivized to keep good hygiene. Yeah. If they are not, if they have a bunch of zero days or a bunch of, of patches that are, are 30 days, 60 days old, that's going to hurt their market. And yeah. so there's, there's, and it's not just the government market, but the commercial market, which is obviously much bigger now than the government market, is that that's the other piece that maybe 
agencies need to also keep in mind as, as they're debating, can this go to the cloud? Can this workload, does it make sense? That, that is so true. I'm so glad you brought that up because often um, agencies, particularly the larger ones, will say, but, but we have so much data, we're so special and different. You know, um, our, our data needs special protection. Yes, some data does. We, we all know that. You know, there's levels of secure access and all of that. But the majority of data that's processed across federal agencies is, you know, it's shareable. It's usable by, by citizens and agencies and across agencies. And um, we like to remind them, to your point, that what about banks? Don't you think that they care about where their, you know, where their data is going? And well, when, when they trust cloud technology, you should look at that as maybe a signal that you can trust the cloud. You can trust, you know, I mean, you have to do your due diligence and make sure that the FedRAMP certification is there and all of that. But when it is, I would say, stop wasting so much time arguing about why you can't trust it or why you shouldn't trust it. And, <laughs> and you can't, healthcare, insurance companies, you know, banks, as I mentioned, companies that rely on revenue and, and keeping <laughs> their brand reputation. Um, shoot, even the intelligence community, they, you know, they, they bought into cloud sooner than uh, earlier than the rest of the federal civilian agencies. And, you know, if they can trust cloud <laughs> capability, then maybe other agencies should be thinking more about that too. And you've seen a pretty big increase. And I think part of that is in response, not just to the pandemic, which saw the big increase of the last year and a half, but really also the cyber threat, they're, they're seeing that, that they are, can get better security through mm -hmm. cloud instances. Uh, you mentioned the there's two, poor hygiene was one. And your second one? My second one was... I'm putting you on the spot. Um, uh, oh, legacy technology debt. So, agencies have a hard time when they have to figure out where to put their money. They have a limited budget, even if they are, you know, they're fortunate enough to get an award from the TMF or some other funding source, but they have to make puts and takes. You know, they have to make trades. And often those trades are, do I keep these systems running because I cannot afford to be offline? I've got operational data going through this system. Can't, you know, stop delivering healthcare. Can't stop delivering whatever citizen service. Um, so they have to keep some funding and, and resources going to those systems. Well, that's money that isn't going towards cloud modernization or a robust data platform or orchestration automation um, capabilities. And so we understand, of course, there, there are trades, but that lack of that holding on to the legacy technology is, is just, it's draining the resources that are needed to move into a modern cybersecurity um, future. Because back to it, whether it's cloud technology or not, there have to be some modern, maybe there's some zero trust built into there, but there have to be some modern cybersecurity tools and platforms, or the, they're never, agencies are never going to get to the cybersecurity posture that we know that they want and that they, and that they say they want. I'll be interested to see if OMB reports this number, what the O&M operation maintenance versus DME, development modernization enhancement, what that number shifts. It's been, it was shifted to the right too much, meaning higher on the O&M, and recently you've started to see a shift back. I'm wondering if the pandemic has pushed that shift. Do, are we going to break the 70% uh, to O&M as a 69%, 68% yeah. government-wide or what? I, I don't know if you get a sense of that, but, but, but that's the whole, goes back to your legacy investments. Right, well, what I have heard, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert on you know, the colors of money and, and what OMB may do or may not do. However, what I have heard recently is that there are starting to be, uh, maybe there, and there already are, exceptions if, if you're making an investment in cybersecurity, maybe the, the color of money doesn't matter. You know, or the pot of money that's coming from, which I think is a brilliant and innovative idea. You know, <laughs> it is not the way the government has operated in the past because those cybersecurity threats are 
um, unplanned, unbudgeted. You know, no one knows when they're going to happen, but when they do, there can't be this, you know, moving and shifting of, of money from pots to, um, to delay the uh, action that agencies need to take to protect our data, to protect their data. And we, we saw that urgency several times over the last uh, 15 years. I mean, you saw it with the VA data loss, and you saw it with OPM. Mm -hmm. And then you're seeing it again through the, the solar winds and the, the colonial pipeline and ransomware attacks. So you see this kind of input. The, the question is, will Congress change how they deliver the money to say, this is your cyber budget, go, go make good decisions mm -hmm. and tell us what decisions you made, versus here's a dollar that has to be put towards endpoint detection response, and here's two dollars that has to be put toward log management, yeah. and here's three dollars right. that then right. well, drives Right, and we crazy. don't know. Who, who oh, can no. say? However, yeah. I will say. Nobody knows. This, there, but, then there, but, then, but there have been a lot of signals over the last year, year and a half through the pandemic of things Congress is willing to do now that they haven't been willing to do in the past and other senior leaders as well. You know, it's, it's, it's not just IT people and CIOs talking about we have to do this with. The secretaries of the agencies are now involved in the cyber executive order. That They are taking part, their voices are being heard. How often when you meet with your public sector companies, and I'll even go below federal, but if you meet with state and local too, how often are you talking to non-IT people these days? It's about cyber, but maybe- Not you know, as often as I'd like, as, yeah. but more often than two years ago. Yeah. How about that? Uh, honestly. That's a good uh, answer. It's good um, answer. Good answer. No, it's it's good to see the the cross functional interest in in IT technology cybersecurity. It will take a while, but you kind of can't avoid it when the secretaries are getting involved and in or the governor. We had uh, one state government that we um, that we work with in the Midwest. Um, their governor is now involved in figuring out you know how to better apportion the budget and um, you know being involved in the conversations about which investments to make, and, and that's huge, yep. you know, because state local, state governments can be just as large and bureaucratic as, as federal level. And, and that's what's, I mean, when you talk about the threats agencies are seeing, that's also the challenge they see is getting that other involvement, getting that leadership to buy in. I mean, you saw that when, when leadership buys in, agencies are much more successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you saw it at VA with, not cyber, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but in some other areas. Is that really the, the biggest remaining challenge? I mean, money aside, Technology aside, it's really that, that, that culture of leadership. Absolutely. I mean, it, without leadership and support from the top across the entire agency, I like to use the DOD because I was in the DOD for 24 years and that's what I know the best. But if you, if you have a strong you know, CIO or the um, three-star or four-star whose their responsibility is the network and network protection and all of that, but they don't have the support of the ones who um, manage the budget for aircraft and submarines and tanks and ground troops, they will get nowhere. So what has been good to see is that at the joint staff level and across the, across the um, military services and DOD, those admirals and generals are starting to care. They, they are caring about connected systems or you know, connected warriors and um, JADC2 and all of these things, that has to happen. And every agency has those. There's mission owners and then there's the rest of the agency. And when those mission owners are getting involved and they're, and they're finding out what value there is in leveraging data, leveraging technology, that's when there'll be real change. That's a great point to end it on. Thanks. Because we're out of time. Okay. Let me thank my guest. Juliana Vita is the Group Vice President and Chief Strategy Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Juliana, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise, Jason.
I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.